0: to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: There is a need to speak truth to power. I don't think you can find a better example of someone doing it than Paul, because that's really what he's doing here. He is speaking truth to power. He's not holding back the truth at all. He's speaking the truth. But what I want us to see is how Paul does this, because there are times in our lives personally, there are times in the life of the church collectively where we are called upon to do that very thing. Today on
0: Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 24, verses 1 through 10, in a message titled, Speaking Truth to Power. Now, here's Pastor Brian.
1: All right. So let's open our Bibles to Acts 24. Now, after five days, Annas, the high priest, came down with the elders, and a certain orator named Tertullus. These gave evidence to the governor against Paul. And when he was called upon, Tertullus began his accusation, saying... Seeing that through you we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight, we accept it always and in all places, most noble Felix, with all thankfulness. Nevertheless, not to be tedious to you any further, I beg you to hear by your courtesy a few words from us. For we have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes he even tried to profane the temple and we seized him and wanted to judge him according to our law but the commander Lysias came by and with great violence took him out of our hands commanding his accusers to come to you by examining him yourself you may ascertain all these things of which we accuse him and the Jews also assented maintaining that these things were so Then Paul, after the governor had nodded to him to speak, answered, Inasmuch as I know that you have been for many years a judge of this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. Now, down to verse 22. But when Felix heard these things, having more accurate knowledge of the way, He adjourned the proceedings and said, when Lysias the commander comes down, I will make a decision on your case. Uh, So he commanded the centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and told him not to forbid any of his friends to provide for or visit him. And after some days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Now, just turn over to the 26th chapter, if you will, and verses one through eight. Then King Agrippa said to Paul. You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all things of which I am accused by the Jews, especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. They knew me from the first, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes, earnestly serving God night and day, hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Now, verse 24. Now, as Paul made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I speak, for whom I speak freely, knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escape his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. So for those of you that have been with us uh, regularly, you know that we are making our way through the book of Acts, and as I've mentioned previously, as we come to the, really this is the last section of the book here, uh, from chapter 21 to 28, we're going to pick up the pace a little bit, just in the sense that that it's just this long-running narrative that we, we just it wouldn't be the right place to really get bogged down in the details of that, so I want to give us kind of a, a, an overview of what's happening with the, the story itself, but then focus in on a specific thing that's really happening here in the passages that we read. So we're going to be looking at Paul's speaking to these officials, these governmental officials. We're looking at him. They're kind of in a sense, he's there to defend himself and uh, to present his case. But what we see ultimately that he's doing is he's seeking to influence them with the gospel. And so that's what we want to ultimately focus on today. But before we do that, uh, let me just remind you that back in the early part of the book of Acts, uh, back where Paul's conversion is laid out for us there, uh, the, the Lord, as Paul you know, was there confronted by the Lord on the road to Damascus, and he had that life-altering encounter. As he goes into the city, the Lord speaks to this man, Ananias, and he he's commissioning Ananias to go and pray for Saul of Tarsus. And And anyway, the Lord ends up speaking to Ananias, and he says this concerning him. He says, "'For he is my chosen instrument,' to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So from the very beginning of God's call upon Paul, there was this, this plan and this purpose in the mind of Christ for Paul to be this, this special instrument. And his ministry was going to be primarily to the Gentiles, but in the, in the course of that, he would also stand before kings and he would also testify before the children of Israel. So that, that's pretty much what we've seen in the story. Luke has recorded three of Paul's, what we call missionary journeys, the church planting and all that ministry that he did in the area that we know today as Turkey and over into Europe. And that's pretty much what we've been looking at over the past several weeks. And, and so now we're moving into the section where the kings and the children of Israel are now the focus of Paul's ministry. Remember, Paul was, he was Jewish, and his great passion was to bring the gospel to his own people. But he never really felt that that door was open for him, but now it seems that the time has come for that. And so, Paul, as we saw in our previous study, He was uh, very committed to making it to Jerusalem. That was his objective. He wanted to go to Jerusalem, and he ultimately did make it to Jerusalem. And there, when he arrived, he was welcomed by the church, and he gave the report of all that God had been doing among the Gentiles. But the church had this big concern about Paul because he was kind of a controversial figure. And so they listened, you know, to the reports about what God had done among the Gentiles. But then they said, that, that's great. But Paul, <laughs> you know, there, there are many, many Jews here that believe and they're all zealous for the law. And they've heard these rumors about you that you are, you're not all that favorable toward Moses and, and the temple and all of that. And, and this is going to create a huge problem. And so they're, they're really concerned about this, that they couldn't let go of their cultural baggage. And, and Paul was freed from that. Some things that were said about him were distortions of what he had actually said. But, but anyway, this is their big concern. Paul, it's going to be a, a problem unless we can do something about these rumors. So they actually came up with a plan and they stated it in, in the text there In chapter 21 so let me just read it to you therefore this is their word to Paul do what we tell you we have four men who have taken a vow take them and be purified with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law so that that was their plan Paul, is great what God's done among the Gentiles, but hey, you're back among the Jews and there are a lot of people that are zealous for the law. They think that you're not you know, really supportive of the law. They've heard these rumors about you saying that people should forsake Moses and all that. So let's just squelch all those rumors. This is how we can do it. We've got these four guys. So Paul, wanting to comply and wanting to, to make peace, he goes ahead and he follows their suggestion. And, and so he does the very thing that they asked him to. Now, what happens then though, is, is he goes to the temple after the days, the seven days, and he's there, you know, for the final process of, of this uh, thing that was taking place there with these guys. And certain Jews from Asia that were there visiting at the time, they saw Paul in the temple. And these were the guys that were always harassing Paul in his ministry. These were the guys that were causing all the trouble for him in the ministry there in Ephesus and the different places there in that region. So they see him in the temple and they cry out to the people. They say, men of Israel, you Israelites, come and help us this is the man that we told you about this is the person who teaches jews everywhere to forsake moses and so a big uh, crowd gathers a big mob actually they grab paul they drag him out of the temple and they proceed to beat him attempting really basically just to beat him to death to kill him so as as this uproar is taking place the commander of the roman forces there in jerusalem word comes to him that this is going on so he sends down the garrison and they break up the mob and they, they deliver Paul from what really probably would have been certain death. And so they rescue him. They, they pull him away from the mob. The crowd is still going crazy. And they're, they're taking Paul into the barracks and they're, they're going up a staircase. And as they get to the top before they enter the barracks, Paul says to the captain, he says, hey, g- give me a minute. Let me, can I speak to you? And, and this, he says, can you speak Greek? And Paul says, yes, I can speak Greek. And he says, oh, I thought you were an Egyptian. And I thought you were the one that led those 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness. <laughs> How, why he thought that, who knows? But that's who he thought Paul was. Paul says, no, no, I'm, I'm a Jew and I'm from Tarsus. And uh, so anyway, let me speak to the people. And so the commander agreed. Okay, so this mob that was you know, just a few minutes earlier, trying to rip him limb from limb, uh, he stands up and he begins to address them and he begins to address them in, in the Hebrew language. And because he addresses them in Hebrew, they suddenly, they're attentive to what he's saying. And so what he does is he begins to tell them. Now, remember, Paul has wanted this opportunity to share the gospel with his Jewish brethren this has been the longing of of his of his heart in ministry now of course he's had ministry among jews outside of the land but paul has really wanted to get back to the center of judaism back to jerusalem so he could tell his story because he's convinced that once these guys hear my story they're gonna they're gonna do what i did they're gonna believe that jesus is the messiah so that's where he starts. He says, look, I understand. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But he says, look, I understand your attitude. I, I know exactly how you feel because I used to be just like this. And then he proceeds to tell them how he you know, was a Pharisee himself and how he was zealous against this you know, message of Jesus and how he persecuted the followers of Christ. And he, he just kind of goes through the whole thing. And they're very attentive. They're listening to him. He's kind of got them, I think, probably... Uh, right where he wanted them and in the course of this testimony that he's giving he then says that there came a point where the Lord appeared to him and spoke to him and said get out of Jerusalem because they're not going to receive your testimony and Paul tells them he responded back to the Lord but Lord they know they know who I am that the high priest knows me everybody knows me that you know he's disagreeing with the Lord the Lord says no leave from here I'm gonna send you far away to the Gentiles. Now, he had an attentive audience until he mentioned that one word. When Paul said the word Gentiles and implied that the Messiah of Israel, or he was claiming him to be the Messiah of Israel, Jesus, was gonna send him to the Gentiles, these guys went ballistic. They just absolutely flipped. They began to rip their clothes off. They began to shout and scream and throw dirt in the air. And they begin to cry out, this man is not fit to live on the earth. We got to kill this guy. So Paul's great moment of ministry to the Jews was going really well until he mentioned the word Gentile. And it all went south from that moment forward. So as the, the captain then you know, brings Paul back into the barracks, he has no idea what has happened. He doesn't speak Hebrew, so he doesn't know what's going on. And so he says to his captain, he says, flog this man and find out what it was that he said to get the crowd so crazy. And so as they prepared Paul for the flogging, he says to the captain, he says, is it lawful for you to flog a Roman who is uncondemned? And the guy says, wait a second, what, you're you're a Roman? Paul says, yes, I'm a Roman citizen. And so he calls the commander, the commander comes in, are are you really a Roman? Paul says, yes, I am. And the commander says, I I purchased my citizenship for a great sum of money. Paul says, I was born a citizen. And so they realized we can't flog this guy. He's a Roman citizen. That was against the law to do that. So what the commander decided is that the next day he would call the leadership of Israel together, the high priest and all of those elders, the Sanhedrin, the ruling body of the nation, And he would bring Paul in and let them talk about what the issues were. So that's what happened the next day. They gathered together, Paul is there in their midst. And anyway, to make a long story short, it got messy again in there. And everybody kind of once again was trying to get at Paul and the commander was afraid that he'd be torn apart. So he sent the guards down again to deliver him. And then from there, the commander sent Paul to Caesarea, to Felix, and that's where we picked up the story. Now, um, one of the reasons why he was sent down there was because the plot by the high priest was that they were going to ask the commander to bring Paul one more time, and they were going to try to work things out, but actually they were planning to kill Paul. So they had a, uh, 40 men who had taken a vow that they would neither eat or drink till they killed Paul. So they were going to ambush the soldiers as they were bringing Paul to the the place of meeting. And all of this was made known to Paul, who made it known to the commander. And so he said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send him with uh, an escort of 200 soldiers on horseback, uh, 200 spearmen. And, you know, we're going to give him." put him in protective custody, and send him down to Felix. So that's where we picked up. He is now standing before Felix, and once again, these Jewish leaders are coming down to present their case against Paul. Now, remember the word of Jesus. He's going to bear witness to me to the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So Paul has these now three opportunities in total where he is proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah, not just to Jewish people, but to the leaders of the Jewish nation. And of course, they rejected his message. But then Paul, in the course of this, is also obviously he's brought before the kings. They're mentioned there by Jesus. So Felix, just to give you a little bit of a perspective on this, Felix is in the role that Pontius Pilate was previously in. So this is a few decades later now. Pilate has long passed off the scene, but now Felix is the governor. And then Festus will become the governor. But then we also have a reference to King Agrippa. And and then finally, by the time we get to the end of the book of Acts, Paul is on his way to stand before Nero, the emperor at that time. So that's the background. Now, this is what I want us to do today. I I want us to consider Paul's presentation before these kings, before these rulers. And I want us to think of it in in the, the context of this phrase, speaking truth to power. Now, you might not have heard that phrase before, but it's, it's something that's, that's definitely out there in the culture, it's being talked about a lot today. And so there are many people who are talking about the, you know, the need to speak the truth, to power, and what that amounts to for some people and some Christians in, included in that is that they're basically just lobbying verbal grenades from behind their Facebook or Twitter wall out at people or policies that they don't like, and and then all you know as they're doing that they're claiming you know we're speaking truth to power. It, it really seems more like they're just venting or ranting, or as some people would refer to it, uh, virtue signaling. Just you know sending out a message like, hey, look how righteous I am, or look how you know tuned I am uh, to the right politics or whatever. So that that's a a real thing in our culture right this moment. Now, there is a need to speak truth to power, but you can't find, uh, I don't think you can find a better example of someone doing it than Paul because that's really what he's doing here. He is speaking truth to power. He's not holding back the truth at all. He's speaking the truth. But what I want us to see is how Paul does this because there are times in our lives personally, there are times... In the life of the church collectively where we are called upon to do that very thing. In other words, we're to, we're to push back on power. We're to resist power at certain times. And of course, in the early history of the church, that was something they had to regularly do because the powers that existed were oftentimes opposing the advancement of the gospel or sometimes belief in Christ. And they were wanting a uniformity across the board in the empire where everybody recognized Caesar as Lord, but the church was saying, no, no, uh, we can't do that. Jesus is Lord. That was speaking truth to power right there. And so Paul does it though here in um, the cases that we looked at, and I want us to see how he did it. And the first point that I want us to understand is that Paul spoke truth to power, but he did it respectfully. And this is one of the, the, I think, the current problems we have is there's, you know, people out there, and I'm thinking mostly of Christians who are claiming they're speaking truth to power, but they're doing it very disrespectfully. Paul did not do that.
0: Let's join Pastor Brian and Cheryl in the studio as they share about this month's resource. So, Brian, your friend has written another great book, and he's your friend, and he's also kind of you're a little bit of a fan. Let's just be honest.
1: I am a big fan of Ray Ortland, and he has written this fantastic little book on the gospel, But really the gist of it is creating gospel culture within your church. So gospel culture is really, it's a culture of love. It's a culture of grace. It's a culture where anybody can come in and know that they're going to be given an opportunity to hear the good news of of God's love and people are going to be patient and judgmental and give God time to work. So that's pretty much what he lays in out other in words, this great little book. People are going to be like Jesus. People are going to be like Jesus as they study Jesus. Yeah. So I highly recommend this little book by my friend Ray Ortland called The Gospel.
0: Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Gospel by Ray Ortland. You can order the book, The Gospel, by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it, then click on the Donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, The Gospel, by Ray Ortland to help you develop a biblical perspective of gospel culture. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com